but they're making inroads in this one sort of cultural territory. They're taking seriously that that Breitbart dictum that politics is downstream from culture, right? That Mm -hmm. you can gain political territory by winning over online young men and turning them on at Gamergate, right? So we're kind of trying to sound the same alarm bell that uh, especially young men attracted to this cultural form are being recruited to right-wing causes. They're being introduced to libertarian and and further right, uh, right right-wing thinkers, and to take that seriously. Room, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are listening as a podcast, this means nothing to you, although you might have missed me in the last couple of days. But it is a Tuesday, that's right, in the middle of the day. Just why? Because, and now let me tell you that Sunday, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed my Sunday off. But yes, we are live on a Tuesday. You are not live on a podcast listening after the fact. Doesn't matter. So excited to have you here. Our first Tuesday show is going to be wonderful, jam-packed with all kinds of goodies, all kinds of fun stuff, and of course, a bonus episode all about Alex Jones, which you definitely want to holler at. Um, But joining me, uh, if you didn't know, comedian Jessica Seeley is here as well as associate professor Nick Marks, who wrote a book all about right-wing comedy, which think about how much awful research you would have to do to write a book like that. Like just, he is he a living martyr? Yes. Yes, he is. So uh, Nick is going to be with us to talk about why we need to all take right-wing comedy seriously, or he's going to lay out the case you guys can decide. I'm super excited to dig into that. Of course, we're talking about the Trump raid on Mar-a-Lago. And of course, we are talking about the climate bill, which suddenly is so much less sexy than the Trump FBI raid. You know, what if we just didn't talk about it? And we're just like, no, we're above it. Um, Hey, I'm Michael Barbaro, and we need to wait till all the facts come out. JK, Michael, love you. Not really, because sometimes I don't. Anyway, um, good to have you guys here. If you're here on YouTube, make sure you are liking and sharing the stream. If you're here on Twitch, what up? Thank you so much for subscribing, for giving us your Bezos bucks, for literally helping this show survive. Um, We got so much to get to, but uh, in case you didn't know, guys, this is a podcast that you should give five stars on iTunes, helps people discover us. It is, uh, and by us, I mean like me and three other people. Like we are a small labor of part-time love, full-time love, part-time, you know what I'm saying. And uh, your reviews mean a lot. So if you write us a five-star review, I'll read it on the show. INPDX says, love Francesca. She's so funny, funny and informative. Um, I don't know if I read that one before, but I'm not going to read it again because then I'll look like I don't. Anyway, write a review. That's what I'm trying to say uh, right now. Um, do it. And um, also, if you do want access to that bonus bish, the bonus content, 
Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you go to do that. Again, talking about Alex Jones, there's some new revelations every single day. It's a fucking advent calendar of his downfall. So we will talk about what we've learned recently. We're going to look at some of the clips of uh, his lawyers, basically his own lawyers putting him on blast. So patreon.com slash visuation room. Also, if you want to tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Um, Really appreciate any tips that you can give. Uh, Once again, I am with child. So your gift is not only feeding me, it's feeding me, feeding it. Think about it. Uh, I've now learned how blood converts to milk in our bodies. It's disgusting and super fucking cool. Um, And also, remember, you guys, we have merch. If you want to wear nothing but union made, get yourself some Frantifa merch, Bituation Room, logo shirts, Frantifa shirts, tote bags, stickers, all union made in the United States. Can you imagine if it was like union made in Somalia? No, I swear. It was really robust. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's union made in the United States. Um, you know, not that I'm anti-globalist, but, you know, what else? Uh, and with that, let's get into what you are bitching about, you fine folks, today. There's so much to talk about, so I'm just going to quickly bitch about something and then bring Jessica in. Um, But I've entered the third trimester of the pregnancy. And um, let me just say, prenatals, the vitamins, and just generally being pregnant makes you very constipated. Hard to push out a poo. Yeah, that's right. We're going to start starting off strong for our Tuesdays. But now that you're in your third trimester, uh, it's way worse. Like, the reason is, is because your nutrients, like, you know, the baby wants that. So it's like, and it'll, like, start literally, like, taking a straw to your bones and sucking out the calcium if you're not getting enough calcium. So the point is, is, like, as I'm on the toilet, it's harder to poo. That's what I'm bitching about, you guys, all right? I'm constipated. And, yes, I'm trying to take my magnesium trying to loosen things up, trying to, that's why we were a little late to starting the show. Not going to lie. Keep it 100 for the Frantifa. Um, But it's one of the many things that happens to pregnant people. And that's why, once again, if any right winger wants to pay for my magnesium supplements so I can have this child and bring it into the hell world that you've created, hit me up. TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. We'll take your money for that healthcare childcare, and all the other things that you are preventing people who you pretend to care about from having in this country. Um, that being said, when I am on the toilet pushing out a poo and it hurts, I'm like, you know what? Practice your breathing. Practice the breathing because you know it's going to, you're going to put, you know what the biggest poo of all is going to be? Your child. Biggest poo of all. You're, that's what I'm going to tell her. I mean, like, you are my proudest poo. We are all our parents' proudest poos. Not, I mean, some of us have shitty parents, no pun intended, but it makes me emotional, you know? I'm my, my proudest poo. 
Okay, that's enough. We're we're done with that segment. Let's get in to some other stuff. But first, uh, I want to bring uh, into the room Los Angeles-based comedian, also from the Bay Area, who hosts hosts cult comedy stand-up every Friday in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. Please welcome my friend Jessica Seeley. Hello, Francesca. Hi. I come to you from my bedroom. I'm um, in front of my uh, books that I read so you can see how literate I truly am. (laughs) And before before getting into Trump and the climate bill and all of that, I thought, you know, I just went to your wedding. You're going to have a baby. I thought, what if we just start with a moment of love? Because you were mentioning love. And this might help you with your with your um with your constipation she's grabbing a book off the wall warmed by love by leonard nimoy (laughs) and it has some really beautiful stuff that i want us to keep in mind today please Uh, really quickly um rocket ships are exciting but so are roses on a birthday computers are exciting but so is a sunset And logic will never replace love. Sometimes I wonder where I belong, in the future or in the past. I guess I'm just an old-fashioned spaceman. Hell yeah. Let me know if you need anything else. If things get a little too rough in this next hour, Jessica, I'm going to have to... You're going to have to bring that out. I actually really felt that right now because everything going on, it's like, I guess I'm just an old-fashioned spaceman. Don't know what to say. Want to bet Nancy Pelosi absolutely read Leonard Neem... Neem what is his name? Nimroy? Nimroy, yeah. She Nimrod. read She read Nimrod in Taiwan at that visit. Are you like, serious? Wow, I have so much in common with Nancy Pelosi, I gotta say. <laughs> we We're, both like ice cream. <laughs> we should, yeah. Actually, she had Jenny's, right? Which is my by far favorite ice cream. Remember that? Jenny, where was that in SF? No, uh, there's one here. There's one on oh, Hillhurst and one on Larchmont. I don't know where there's one in SF, but oh, it's an okay. Ohio-based um, ice cream company. So, yeah, just love that Pelosi, everything about her. Me and her could sit together, eat some Jenny's, read some Leonard Nimoy. Nimoy. <clears throat> Jessica, what else are you bitching about other than the fact that not enough people are like Leonard Nimoy? Right, bitching. Um I really feel you on the constant. I really just hope I'm like praying for the best, most smoothest poos. And and I hope that your baby is the smoothest poo of all. Um, (laughs) Thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone said to me. Oh, so, yeah, I guess I, I just always have so much to bitch about, you know, and I just feel like one is just like it's too hot around the world and here in my Mm -hmm. apartment. And, um, I just hate how weird we are about it. Like I hate like listening to the radio and hearing the DJs be like, get your ice cream, get your go, get your beach towels. Cause it's cause the planet's dying. I'm like, don't be weird about it. Like we're past, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I've also been watching too hot to handle, which is related because very related. Is it about the climate crisis? It, it doesn't know that it is, but it is. Um, because here's the thing about this show. It's, 
um, all people who are like hot, like they're, that's their identity. Right. And they, they want to have sex with each other really bad. And the show is like, don't, but the thing is they're all sex addicts. First of all, they're right. all traumatized and we all, and the, and the show is like, <laughs> Oh, we're going to have you work through it by like, like putting your crotches together and then sitting there. And the test is that you don't have sex and this will help you grow. And I'm like, can we have some therapy for them and everyone so that nothing is too hot to handle? Can we face the heat? <laughs> so it's all just like childhood trauma being worked through with like hot outfits and people but being like, ah, don't act on it. Yeah. But like the thing is, they don't feel worthy of being alive unless they're getting fucked by everybody. <laughs> so it's like maybe- I think I feel like that's a confessional. I just don't feel worthy of being alive unless I'm getting fucked by everybody. I mean, that's what I want to get to on that show. But instead, <laughs> the whole point is like, oh, we're trying to make everyone horny by watching them try to not have sex with each other. There's not even really any tension because they all have so much sex. It's like you right. want that. Let's do like Jane Austen or something. Like let's really <laughs> repress it if we're gonna go there. Anyway, I haven't had sex really in a few years, and it's a problem. <clears throat> like barely. Uh, that's yeah. And we look. I bet Leonard Nimoy, who is Spock from Star Trek, who I have disrespected already on this show, and I apologize. I didn't know he was also a poet. Um, he's deceased. Yes, died. He was also a big advocate of curvy women. Good for him. Yeah. Is he was he the original curvy wife guy then? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we got to get into this week. So much has happened, as we've alluded to. In fact, God, it's been like nine, ten days, and it's 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 overwhelming, uh, honestly. Uh, but here's a little bit of what we're not going to talk about. Um, this was the week where Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Uh, angering China and setting back no progress that the Biden administration has made in easing tensions between the two countries. So honestly, what are we talking about? That was it's just, okay, fine. Um, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson broke up after nine months of being together, in which time he got a neck tattoo with the first letter of Kim's name and the first letter of all of her kids' names, which seems like an, an embarrassing homage to something so fleeting until you remember he also has a tattoo of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and then it all makes sense. Now, a lot of people are speculating after Kim K, which celebrity do you date next? Is it Bella Hadid? Is it Selena Gomez? No, the answer is once again, Hillary Clinton. That, mm, that that's my call hot. so hot dude um the israeli military killed 45 people including children in gaza in what it called a preemptive strike and before you say otherwise you are preemptively an anti-semite the wnba star britney griner sentenced to nine years in a russian prison for marijuana possession which is an utter outrage according uh utter outrage uh according to the biden administration that she should be allowed to serve that sentence here in the United States, of course. Um, and also, we have like nine years to get Biden high. Really like two year, a year to get him high and convince him to decriminalize weed. <laughs> Biden is like the most like never inhaled energy ever. It might be too late to inhale. He might be too far gone to. <laughs> I don't think it, it'll, it could unlodge something, dislodge 
it might be good. It Maybe depends on what ketamine. kind of strain it is. I think we need ketamine. <laughs> but then he'll be enlightened and then just die in the process, which is a good, I think we should do that for him, but won't help us. <laughs> Kamala is on board. Oh my um, gosh, so much ketamine. I don't think there aren't, there is enough like illegal substances in the White House. I mean, probably the most were, you know, when Trump and Don Jr. were there. Um, I mean, Adderall is technically legal, so he's yeah, they're not, good. They're not doing the right stuff, you no. know? Although, look, man, I mean, the idea that you like smoking weed or doing like psychedelics makes you more, you know, liberal or embracing empathy. I feel like Rogan proves that wrong every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex Jones sent a naked picture of his wife to Trump operative Roger Stone, which is the most cuck me daddy move ever next to his own lawyer sending his text messages to the opposing attorney for the Sandy Hook parents. But look, everyone's got a kink. Do not shame. For everything else, y'all, this is The Week Where. This was the week where uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, is it a golf course? Is it a home? Um, is it where the heart is? We don't know. It was raided by the FBI. That's right. Um, the Justice Department is not commenting at this point on really any aspect of the search that was executed there. Um Merrick Garland uh, has declined to say if he even approved of it, which I'm like, yeah, of course he approved of it. But we do know that apparently the Biden administration was not aware that this was going to happen. Um, that was according to a Democratic source. Um, who knows? Um, but but federal law enforcement officials did obtain search warrants and they needed to move quickly. And they move quickly generally when there is a criminal investigation to be had. Or they're concerned that maybe some kind of material would be disposed of. And this is also the week where we learned, we saw pictures of the way that Trump usually handles documents, which is straight up into the toilet. That was a Maggie Haberman scoop. How, oh man, their, their relationship's really frayed. Um, now, some people think this could be related to some of the national uh, archives that are the, are the documents that he did that he took, preventing the national archives from being able to take them and store them. Apparently, there are like 15 boxes from the White House that had government documents, mementos, gifts that should have been subject to the Presidential Records Act. Um, but. Who knows? We don't know if that was is related. It feels like unless something insanely serious was in those, which it might have been, um, it might have something to do with those documents. It might not. But here is Donald Trump's statement. This is uh, it's very long and I'm not going to read it all. But he does talk about the weaponization of the capital justice, capital system and an attack by the capital radical, capital left, capital Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. I love like the radical for, Oh God, radical left Democrats as if I wish there were a thing. 
I truly wish there were they were an entity. And in fact, the DCCC is like doubling down on some of the most MAGA candidates because they think they'll be easier to beat. So he said a lot of things, but of course, my favorite line. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. <laughs> like, Just say shithole countries. You know you want to. Um, sadly, America has now become one of those countries corrupt at a level not seen before. Yeah, maybe that's when we elected a reality TV star that we. Yeah. OK. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee here in reverse? Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. All right. So. He's big mad. He also I love I love when it's revealed that Republicans take the wrong lessons from any historical event like, yeah, like Watergate. Yeah. When a president resigned over trying to sway an election. Remember how you sicked a mob on the Capitol building to do just that versus or it's like, you know, we're I'm we're just like Martin Luther King Jr. Except we're white and in power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's it's interesting, like seeing how he he Marjorie Taylor Greene is like, like uh, oh defund the FBI and like stuff like that, and they're like, oh the government is so corrupt on a level never seen before. Because I just feel like, um, yeah, it is, but the whole country right now is just like, um, arguing over the the other person's thing being corrupt, <laughs> but it's like. Can we all just agree it's all corrupt or? I mean, it's the same way that the January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm jealous are, like that. learning about the <laughs> learning about the prison system. Like, oh, my God. Do you know food in prisons like really gross? Shut up, Becky. Um, but as you alluded to, Marjorie Taylor Greene, defund the FBI, y'all. The FBI, the top cops. This is a defund the police moment. She's ha- they're having their moment. Um, and I was going to say earlier, I was like, oh, my God, do we have to, like, uncancel the FBI now that they're going after Trump? Because, like, they're like they're obviously FBI totally canceled. You know, um, <laughs> how many civil rights leaders do they need to murder uh, for us to understand that? How many coups? Um, I guess that's more CIA territory, but you know what I'm saying? COINTELPRO. Um, I feel like they're trying to like, maybe they're trying, this is their little like notes pad apology. Like, dear America, we've been bad before, but now we're raiding a white nationalist home. I don't um, know. I feel like there's always like back and forth. Like they, they do some normal shit and some not, and that's what keeps them. You know, and then it's just like the divide of the country that makes us like support that up. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly this is what like a lot of I would call them, you know, dumb, dumb left or Michael Brooks would call them dumb, dumb left, you know, uh, fake populists are like, see, this is why we need to team up with Marjorie Taylor Greene and actually defund the FBI. Like, no, man, no. Just because they're actually holding the right accountable and they're going after the right after going after the left for so long, that doesn't mean we defund the fucking FBI. The idea that, like, the FBI or the head of DOJ or Merrick Garland is any kind of, like, 
radical, any on any kind of agenda. No, there's got to be a lot of evidence. I'm sorry. This is not in some ways I wish I wish there was more politically motivated, but there's got to be a fuck ton here. So there's stuff we don't know. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is not the only one who's saying we need to destroy the FBI. You've got Paul Gosar, um, Representative Paul Gosar, i.e. also dude who helped plan the attempted coup at the Capitol building on January 6th. The FBI raid on Trump's home tells us one thing. Failure is not an option. We must destroy the FBI. We must save America. I stand with Donald Trump. It's just amazing to me. It's amazing. And, and again, this is this is what they've always wanted. This is their deep state finally coming after them. And they're like, yes, they're so horny to be sought after by the deep state when usually the deep state just goes after like, you know, nonviolent peace activists called like the raging grannies and, you know, like, like uh, Black Lives Matter activists. That's what they usually do. But they don't understand that. They'll never see that. You've got um, Candace Owens, of course. The FBI must legally and formally be dissolved. What happened to President Trump is positively stunning and a mark of unchecked government power. I no longer recognize the country I live in, left or right. We must all come together to fight this evil. It's fucking amazing to me that a man and a movement that orchestrated a coup the most so-called third world thing possible, right, are now saying like, oh, this country has gone to hell, you know, because it was unsuccess- It was an unsuccessful coup. They're like pro-Pinochet level, right? I mean, they wanted the deep state on their side for January 6th. Anyway. I, <clears throat> I just... Uh, I don't know. I Firstly, I want to say I'm deeply disassociated from everything that's happening. <laughs> like, nothing means anything. I feel, just feel like I'm watching Jerry Springer all the time. Like, and I don't know. I just feel like, um, on a, in a way, you might get mad at me for saying that. But I'm like, sure, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> let's defund the FBI. Yeah, make let's good go. on it. No, but the problem is, is that they would, let's imagine we follow their lead. I mean, I, I know you're joking, I mean, sort of, but I also agree with you that, like, yeah, fuck the FBI, man. But if we go with them on that plan, we're like, yeah, 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 let's let's work with these so-called right-wing populists. They want to replace the FBI with a loyalist brown shirts organization. They want to replace the National Guard with the Oath Keepers. They want to replace anyone who's trying to hold them accountable with a fascist entity, whether that is a secret police entity or whether that is a street gang entity. So like everyone who thinks that, hell yeah, let's do the, I mean, I mean, no one's seriously saying this, a few fringe people I'm sure are, but it's like, you don't understand. They like what the FBI does. They just don't like who it does it to in this particular instance versus the track record of the FBI. No, no, I agree with you. I'm not saying let's put the Proud Boys in in the FBI seat or anything like that. I'm not like, let's follow Marjorie Taylor Greene to the ends. But I'm also <laughs> like not using this as a moment to be we're like, like to be like, actually, I love the FBI now. It's like, is that kind of a fun moment that they got raided? 
yeah, I, I like that they're doing things to uphold anything legally in terms of like <laughs> uphold something <laughs> like instead of tearing it down. I, I like that they're having a moment. I, I appreciate I appreciate that. But um for me it's just like I don't know. I'm so a little too too little too late, FBI. <laughs> like, I wish I was more excited because like I did have so much fun when Trump got COVID. Like I did have so much fun when they had their thing in front of um the landscaping company, um, four seasons total landscaping. I think that was the last time I had fun. But at this point, <laughs> like it just doesn't mean anything to me. And I feel like a lot of people are feeling that way, just like so overwhelmed. And so like nothing ever comes to anything, but it's just like, what is the next move? Like, is it just that we back the FBI now? Like, I definitely, I just feel like we're always fighting like the worst case scenario that all we get is like barely above that, which totally. is, which is nice, but I'm just I mean, so I mean, tired and I need to get laid and I just like, you know, Eric in the middle of the night, my partner was like reading about this raid online and like was like, oh, my gosh, Trump's getting raided. And I'm just like, well, raid my pussy and then I'll be excited. You know, <laughs> that's just the mood I'm in. You know, uh, this podcast can be titled Jessica needs to get laid, um, <laughs> which is actually a great rate. Okay, good, good, good. I'm. He better put put the goddamn phone down and pick up that ass. Is I'm like, I hope Trump getting raided is making people horny for once or something. But it just feels like I'm not excited enough. You know, show me, show show me another Giuliani sweating in front of a landscaping company. I think the reason that one was fun is because it's really funny. Yes. Yeah. True. This needs to get to undisassociate, I need something to be really funny and yes. I need to get laid. I agreed. Agreed. If, if, if there could be, like I said, and I think a lot of people are saying, what is in that safe? If there could be the P tape. <laughs> and, and as, as I believe, cause everyone's like, what is it? We know it's like, we know it's allegedly prostitutes in Russia peeing on a bed because the Obama's, slept there i think trump is furiously beating it in a corner and that but like by beating it i mean you have to really dig to find it because it's you know it's buried in the yeti pubes <laughs> as stormy daniels said but it's it's like not him looking good it's him looking incredibly disgusting so yeah if we could add that as awful as it would be as much as censored as it would be it makes sense for where we are in this realm of the upside down. So yes, that's what, um, I need. That's what Jessica needs. Um, but like that will not make your, you and your partner horny. I just want to like, that will absolutely kill the vibe. In fact, no one is fucking for at least four years. If we all see that P tape, you guys realize that, right? Maybe that's what all of this is about is just population control. <laughs> it's the deep state the fbi the deep state is raiding trump's villa to get the p-tape to control the population boom we're fucking conspiracy theorists jessica it's this just is like you don't need to ban abortion it's just 
let make everything stop for a second so so we can be horny enough which <laughs> that is also the plan it's like yeah, no one was having sex anyway because everything's so awful <sighs> i need to um, pull out I... my leonard Nimoy book again and look at okay. it all right all right all right we'll and talking, we, we'll we do have to move on because this has been very fun but we have to move on i uh, tbd in terms of what all this means we'll be we'll be Jessica showing me uh, another poem. Um, We have one more story to get to, and then we are going to bring in uh, Professor Nick Marks to talk about right-wing comedy. Real quick, you guys. Yes, there was some legislative progress in the Senate. Uh, The climate bill or the Inflation Reduction Act was passed by a vote of 51 to 50. Kamala Harris breaking that tie vote. Um, We're talking about $369 billion of investments in clean energy um, with the aim of reducing carbon emissions by 40 percent by the year 2030, not where Biden wanted it to be, which was 50 percent by 2030. What is in this? We've got tax credits aimed at steering consumers to EVs, um, prodding electric utilities, I kind of like this word, toward renewable energy sources like wind or power, $60 billion to help people most impacted by climate change, some penalties over like corporations when they leak methane into the atmosphere, Um, an undoing of a moratorium on offshore wind farms that Trump put in place. Um, Part of the way this is going to be paid for is by a 15% corporate tax for any corporation earning over a billion dollars. There's going to be more money for IRS enforcement for like a lot of the honestly tax evaders who are making millions and millions of dollars. And which is great because they're going after people like us generally. Um, Also uh, in my little realm of the world, uh, extending the subsidies on the ACA, which is honestly helping me out save a few hundred dollars a month. Because uh, I do buy healthcare on the marketplace, as it were. But there's a lot of bad shit, guys. There is a lot of trade offs. There is what they're calling a Faustian bargain. Um, so the measure would also assure new oil drilling leases in the Gulf of Mexico and Alaska's Cook Inlet. It expands tax credits for carbon capture technology, which is utter bullshit that could allow coal or gas burning power plants to keep operating with lower emissions. And it would mandate that the interior department continue to hold auctions for fossil fuel leases. If it plans to approve new wind or solar projects on federal lands. So it's this sort of like, well, um, I want it to, it's a little bit like all energies mattering, you know, like, 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 like if the, it's like, um, if ever, for every BLM march, we gave like a white person, you know, like a free meal to like make themselves feel better. That's what's happening in our climate. It's like, yes, there's going to be some more investment in wind and uh, solar, but like the fossil fuel industry also gets a bunch of new leases and handouts uh, as well. So. A couple things, you know, I really love the writer who's been on this show, uh, Kate Aronoff, who writes for uh, The New Republic and writes generally about climate change. She had some pretty good takeaways, um, which was saying, look, the IRA, uh, the 
Inflation Reduction Act, not the Irish Republican Army, for anyone confused. <laughs> and the climate policy it contains wouldn't have passed the Senate on Sunday without enormous amount of work put in by people who feel most ambivalent about the devil's bargain struck to get it. The environmentalists and other organizers who made this bill possible are painfully aware of the awful policies it contains, including a big new giveaway of public lands over to drilling and a prospective overhaul of the laws that govern where and how fossil fuel infrastructure gets built. But multiple things can be true at the same time. The Inflation Reduction Act, the first piece of climate change to pass the center ever, is historic and vitally important given that Democrats may not to get to govern again for a decade. Holy shit. It also consigns more people to living next to more fossil fuel infrastructure for longer. Um, I think there was she had one final thought, but it was essentially like, look, there's good, there's bad, but most people are saying overall it was at least a win. Um, Jessica, you you care about the future of the planet and, you know, not dying in a flood or a fire or a hurricane. What do you make of it? Did you did, were you did this perk? Did this give you some amount of hope, a little bit of faith in the Democrats, even though there's some of this, you know, these again, these poison pills in there? Gosh, I, I have to say, um, I feel like my insecurity today is I, I feel like kind of an asshole just in the <laughs> sense of like. So I follow some people on TikTok that are that you probably know of who are like the Democrats are doing this. We're going to call. We're going to get it passed. And like people are putting so much work in. And I'm just like, I'm dead, dude. Like just reading this bill is just like, I'm, I'm like, obviously like when Trump was president, okay. I was like devastated by the, all the environmental shit he was slashing and it just felt like an active burning down. So do I like this more? Yes. I would say that my state of trauma has reduced. Definitely. I'm not one of these people that I'm like, it's all the same thing. But, like, dude, it is just, like, it's good that we got anything passed ever, right? Like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Here's my crumbs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just, like, um, put a little bib on for it, like a sweet. Yeah. Cut it in half. Here you go, you little peasant. (laughs) And it's just, like, um, it's so sad, dude. And I, but I. I um I am really grateful for all the people that like work so hard to work with what we've got because I don't think that we're going to overthrow throw this government. Like there's just too many. Like I don't I don't see in the meantime. I don't see the radical possibility. I just don't. I'm looking yeah. for it, but it's not there. So I'm so I feel like I do have to get into this place. Like I just like I see you as someone I look to as someone who's like, I'm in it. I'm working really hard and, and like, um, staying alert. And I know we're going to talk about like right wing comedians later and like looking out for them. And I'm like in this place of like, I'm shutting it out, dude. I'm like so close to just being like, come in with the milk, come in with the milk, like full on (laughs) Howard Hughes situation over here. But the thing is, I don't, I don't think I'm alone. Like I, I, I think that so many people are struggling so hard to not just be fully disassociated, fully disheartened. Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're not already sort of like strapped with, you know, the, the daily, like, job grind, family grind, you know, making ends meet grind, uh, the meat grind, you, 
even the minimal amount of that people are able to pay attention, I think your desire to have something more fun happen is like kind of right (laughs) on. Like it's, I'm not just saying that I do think it's real. Most people have a capacity, like they tap out when there's too much information. And especially when you're like, I think things like this, where you want to claim a win, I think people should claim this as a win. Mm -hmm. That being said, yeah, Kirsten Cinema did get a major carve out for private equity firms, um, which are just like evil conglomerates taking over our lives and trying to sell us all for parts. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's bad things in this bill. I was certainly not on the front lines of working on it, and I was not or anywhere near it. So I do have to say, I feel I echo what Kate said in terms of hats off to the people yeah. who did work hard for this. But in some senses, it's the most Biden-esque bill ever, meaning it's so not enough. We have a lot more to do. And it keeps like people are still hungry for more, which I think can be a good place to be in. Still maintaining some control. We have to fucking maintain control of the Senate and the House, which may not happen. But it's also like um, give people a reason to continue fighting. And like the the mealy mouth nature of this of this bill, I think, does that because it's like there's so much more for improvement. I mean, I don't know. I I guess my my cynical take is I also feel like no one's factoring in the amount of money it'll cost. Like nobody factors in like, well, how much money does the sky cost to pollute? In the time that you allow drilling in the Alaskan, you know, whatever, the inlet or like the you allow a new pipeline. Like, is there a price put on any of like the water you're, you know, putting toxic chemicals into or the streams that you're running dry? Like, no, there's not. No, no monetary value has been added. So while it's like, ooh, this is going to be great for the wind and, you know, alternative energy, like it's really going to boost a lot of like investment. Number one, I have a lot of doubts that the fossil fuel industry will even allow green energy to be as competitive with their because they'll just fucking lower the prices when they want. So they'll be like, I oh, know, fuck that shit. Ours is cheaper. So you can't just rely on market logic to get us to where we need to be. That's number one. And number two, I doubt that all of those factors, again, of the cost of actually contaminating our our environment have been fully factored into the cost benefit of this but I'm willing to be proven wrong. Yeah. I may see everyone on the uh, on the Titanic escape boat, though. Yeah. Hopefully we'll make it on. Same. I well, have a child, you guys. Child. I can say I have a child. You do have a child, so you're good. Um, <laughs> Jessica, you can dress like my child. Yeah, I, I just... Um, I just, like, really... Um, have been realizing that even I downplay or underestimate how insane so many of the people like making these decisions are and like how, like how, how craven. Yeah. It's just like so off. Like, so like, I do think like Biden is a person that, okay, he wanted a better bill than this even, but it's just like, the fact that we have to push through hard and then, oh, there's this one guy that that like doesn't like this. And it's like we're holding up the whole planet's future for like uh, some jobs in Virginia. And it's a job, <laughs> a job, one guy, one guy working in one mine. <laughs> yep. yep. Last guy mining the last piece of coal. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a children's book, really. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I feel mostly frustrated, uh, frustrated in so many ways, as we've already talked about in this podcast. But I, I do. I, it's like you do need to process that and work through it and get back to the hope situation and be like, OK, what's the next move? And totally. I think I'm in a place where I'm like, I wish I was more excited about this. I wish I had a next move. There you go. Mic drop. I wish I had a next move. Um, well, we our, our next fun. move is bringing in um, for the discussion for the sitch is what we call it. Um, Nick Marks, who's an associate professor of film and media studies, at the Department of Communication Studies at Colorado State University. He co-wrote the book. That's not funny. How the right makes comedy work for them, which is out now. Everybody, please welcome Nick Marks. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for being here. I I wanted to ask you, <laughs> I'm not envious of the research that you had to do <laughs> to write about right wing comedy. How many episodes of Greg Gutfeld did you have to watch? Yeah. I, were it, you actively rewriting the jokes as you watched it? <laughs> well, well, first, uh, calling them jokes is being very generous. Um, yeah. Had to slog through quite a, a few episodes of Greg Gutfeld, of the Joe Rogan experience, of the Tim Allen sitcom Last Man Standing. We outline a whole universe of right-wing comedy ranging from like super libertarian bro heavy humor that you might hear on something like Rogan to stuff that dads like, right? The mm -hmm. good old-fashioned sitcom you turn on after uh, checking in on your rental property and, and golfing nine holes with your fellow Garys. Um, <laughs> it was not enjoyable, but our point is to get our fellow liberals and leftists to get past that initial taste-based reaction of that's not funny, that's not comedy, that's an oxymoron, right? Something I, I hear a lot when I describe the book to people. And look at what it's doing politically. Look at how it's bonding together uh, groups of especially like-minded young men who go on to become right-wing activists, who go on to show up at Turning Points USA and laugh at uh, Ted Cruz's jokes that his pronouns are uh, kiss my ass or whatever uh, line he's trotting out. Oh. Um, Were you I, able to actually... We need to go be ahead. even better comedians now. We need to be even better and go on their shows and crush them. <laughs> right? That's you what you're challenge saying, them right? to debates. There, That's what you're saying? We need to write better jokes? There, there is something to that. I mean, I will maintain that... Um, <laughs> You know, the liberals in the media universe, ranging from the mainstream Colbert's to the furthest left that you can go, are much funnier and are purely more skilled comedians. But I think, especially in the Trump years, a certain kind of like um, self-censoriousness crept into liberal comedy where it was like, we don't want to take any chances. We don't want to offend too much because it's so bleak out there. Mm -hmm. So we want comedy to make us feel good. We want to watch stuff that's uh, uplifting, that's morally fulfilling, and that's a very understandable impulse. Like but that. as we've kind of vacated that edgy space, that's where the sort of edgelord trolling, you know, fascist adjacent right-wing people creep in and claim some of that kind of, you know, boundary-pushing comedy that, that we used to hold. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, <laughs> I think that... <laughs> um, First, I, I want to put that aside for a, a second and say mm -hmm. that what I got 
you know, what I'm getting that your point of the book is, is that, you know, we've on this show, like made fun of Greg Gutfeld and, you know, Rogan. And you're basically saying like, um, it's not enough to just say they're bad at comedy because yeah, they're shit comics. It's fine. But like there's, they still have massive audiences. Uh, right. I know Gutfeld, you know, can, is getting better ratings and you've said, you know, charted that then even Colbert has gotten, mm-hmm. but had you, have you tracked a pipeline and did you speak to people who straight up did go to the turning points conference or have been funneled from maybe some of the fringes or I don't know, a podcast into actual like right-wing activism, or is that your assumption? So uh, the answer to that question is yes, but in a very kind of uh, elemental form where we're uh, making these connections by watching the stuff and putting the pieces together based on who guests on whoever shows, the advertisers they have in common, the ratings information that's uh, published uh, publicly. So for instance, Greg Gutfeld had a show on Fox News called Red Eye. That's the precursor to his current show. Mm-hmm. A longtime guest on that show was uh, Proud Boys founder Gavin McInnes, who's another figure we write about in the book, who fancies himself to be funny and ironic and joking in his sort of hateful acts. Uh, Rogan has had uh, just about anybody you can point to in the book on or has communicated with on Twitter. So it's not just that, um, you know, your dad is watching Gutfeld, young bros are watching Rogan, and these two silos don't really talk to one another. It's very easy to go from one of these kind of big tent shows like Gutfeld and find out, oh, Gavin McInnes is associated with this. I'll check out what he's about right. or the Legion of Skanks are guests on Rogan's podcast. I'll check out uh, their podcast. So that universe is very good about moving you from one right-wing comedy style to another and keeping you in that tent ideologically. Yeah. You know, one thing, you know, you mentioned Legion of Skanks and I, I hesitate to even say their names because apparently when you say it three times, you get, you know, bum rushed by trolls. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure you've also been on the receiving end of that. Uh, but you know, they, they say their tagline is we say fucked up shit to make people laugh, rela- uh, laugh, relax their jokes. And actually my, my husband did stumble on uh, one of their live shows and they were singing the like white nationalist song from American wow. history X, um, as a joke, as a joke, ostensibly. Correct. Yeah. And, and like, I am, I don't listen. I, so I cannot say that like, it definitely is a joke. How, you know, or it's not that they're serious, that they're white nationalists. I'm not saying that. However, the I've always said that right wingers don't get irony. But in fact, I think I, I think that's wrong. I think that they are really into ironic racism to the point and, and some of them get funneled into no, 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 real racism like Gavin mm-hmm. McGinnis. And some of them are just like, no, I want to say these slurs because you're not supposed to say them. And my brain is that of a 13 year old boy. And I think it's funny. And I'm like an online commenter perpetually. So, and, and I think because, and it's not even the left, but it's because general decency has told us, Hey, don't say racial slurs, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is quite literally react reactionary comedy um, that, is responding to call it a PC culture, mm-hmm. um, call it just being respectful. Um, that that I think you're right that some people, some comics have 
let go because they they want to sort of please everyone and like mm -hmm. have you know sort of comedy that isn't edgy or is just sort of like you know doesn't I mean I'm not saying that's why like yeah that's that's why nobody says the n-word but I, I agree no. that like there is a level of um, getting worried that you're not saying the right thing and if the two options I've always said this is like the difference between being perfect yep. and saying whatever you want most people will take the say whatever you want avenue now the reality is and as, this is not even a question but the reality is as a comic and Jessica you know this is that there's crazy funny people who fall into neither of those camps neither fucking I'm saying this just to say it because I'm a you know edgelord comic nor like I'm just like a perfect like you know uh like vestige and emblem of you know like whatever social justice commentary comedy like that that the lines are much less neat than that and a lot of comics that no one's ever heard about are really wonderful in that middle space anyway I'll shut up I, I have um, some thoughts to how like Trump getting elected kind of changed a lot of feelings on comedy or which is yep. um, one is like it has to be funny. And if it is too just like fucked and shitty, sorry, I'm cussing so much on this podcast, but um, it, it's just like, you know, in comedy, we want to take something and we want to flip it and make it interesting and funny and weird. But it's just like. The whole Trump thing, it's so trashy and all of it is so like, like, you know, you just want to be like, Jerry, Jerry. It's like, right. I'm like, I feel above it. Like, I just don't think it's funny or interesting to like be fighting this. And now I'm telling jokes on the left. It's like, I, mm -hmm. I want my comedy be, to be like, we're humans. Isn't this the human experience? And it's right. like, you can't, you can tell from listening to my comedy. Yes, I'd like an abortion now. But um, it's not, I don't know, I, I don't want it to be like this. And then the comics on the left and the comics on the right yeah. and who's winning. And it's kind of like what I've been saying this whole podcast about all the politics is it's, it just all feels like a facade to me at this point of like, mm. we're on this team and we're going to win and we're on this team and we're going to win. But it's like, we're just propping up like. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh... Part of the, the bigger issue I think you're pointing to, Jessica, is the um, because our politics are so in, enfeebled and they don't actually do anything for us, folks, especially younger folks, turn hard into culture and trying to get that right and fight all our battles on that front mm -hmm. and make sure that the comedy that I like is the good and pure stuff that supports progressive causes and the comedy that I hate is Joe Rogan or whoever else. And in the meantime, there's no money to be made in the center. It, <laughs> and, and I don't mean that ideologically, but uh, comedy pushes us to extremes now and necessarily economically, right? Like uh, you have to either sort of self-identify as one thing or another, or else you're not going to get the, the rush of fans I would that be people at the, the extremes. I would do, be right? in that category, the no money <laughs> category, by the way. <laughs> No, I think, but I mean, this is the other, you know, you, you are obviously in media studies and you talk about the siloing of media and look, the habituation room is, is a part of that siloing, you know, we're in the, you know, that mainstream space of left comedy, obscure streamer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no uh, um, but in, in that way, like, um, I forgot what my point was. Oh, oh, that, that really and i think someone in the chat is talking about this 
these are all products of also the algorithm, which we know mm -hmm. absolutely lifts up not shows like this, but shows where people are kind of like saying the craziest thing they can say just to say it. I mean, that's that's straight up how right wing grifters become famous. Tommy yeah. Laren's motto is you don't have to agree with me, but the but m with my right to say it like that kind of like brainless type of mush, you yeah. know? Yeah, in a in a previous uh, media era, as recent as, as 20, 30 years ago, uh, there were bigger audiences watching the same thing. Now that we've accelerated most of our media content into hyper-fragmented niches so that only small clusters of people like us are watching the same thing that the algorithm produces and delivers to us, we're much less likely to be exposed to ideas, to culture outside of that pre-programmed sort of cultural niche. Mm -hmm. So what, what you get is this kind of feedback loop, right? You, you get the, the culture, the politics, the news that already affirms what you think and what you find to be good. So I think we, many liberals kind of took for granted that uh, comedy was liberal because Jon Stewart is the person on The Daily Show and Tina Fey's on SNL making fun of uh, Sarah Palin. But all the, the while, there's this uh, media ecosystem being built up on the right mostly unseen to mm -hmm. the uh, to, to those of us on the left that, yes, is populated by uh, Tommy Lahren and Greg Gutfeld and Joe Rogan and has this pseudo intellectual sheen from folks like Jordan Peterson and others. Yeah. So comedy is the, the sort of recruitment mechanism that is bringing people who are coming of age in their media consumption into that right wing tent where most of us had exposure to it in a in a previous era. Right. How sad to see something I love be used for such evil. <laughs> but I think that Jessica, like you're, you also are pointing to a really, a, a trend that really sucks, which, and what we're saying, which is you can't just do comedy for comedy and talk about the human experience anymore. Um, especially if you want to get noticed, number one, but also mm -hmm. number two, um, everyone there's just this rush to like put people into boxes and um, mm. I, and also like, I also think that some progressives have, I mean, come on, we all know when we, you do a room, you work, you're like doing a, a, a show where people are like, I've done like activist events, you know, organizer events, nonprofits hire me. They, they, they often pay well, but like, you know, if I'm doing a bit about Trump's dick or I'm doing a bit about Louis C.K. and like I'm doing it, you know, everyone clams the fuck up. And you're like, yo, you like you need to relax. You need to not be on edge. You need not you can't be ready to like um, not laugh and be so ready to be dead inside, yeah. you know, to enjoy comedy, you have to just kind of put that aside and let the joke actually work or wash over you. If you laugh, fine. If you don't laugh, that it, like if you laugh, great. And if you don't laugh, like of course, like that's not. I'm not going to blame the crowd, but I do think people are very worried about what they laugh at. Mm -hmm. Very worried about that, what they laugh, especially liberals. Well, that's what kind of sucks about like being on the left is it's like work there is a lot of making it not fun and it is like it is good that we want to be conscious um 
and that that I don't have a problem with. Like, yes, always be kind and conscious and et cetera. But there is a thing of like there, the ego being so involved and like wanting to be the best and just like kind of obsessing on being such a good person that you kind of like lose the forest for the trees, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. And it, it does just like suck. Like, and I, I think it comes, it's like a toxic, honestly, kind of white people thing a lot of the time where it's like, we're, we're looking for who to stab in the back and be better than. And it's yeah. just like, um, I, I just want everyone to like humanize each other and be a person again and have fun. Yeah. yeah well, I, I think one thing that folks forget about uh, comedy when attaching a, a political valence to it is that it is all about creating um, in-groups and out-groups. And if, you know, there's a, a joke teller, you two know this, right? And a, a, and a person who's the, the object of that joke. And if you're never willing to sort of uh, occupy one or the other group, right? If you're always seeking to just sort of draw a boundary around yourself and stay safe as the in-group, as the person who gets the joke, you lose that sort of sense of empathy, I think, that's required to, I don't know, bond with other humans, to experience culture that that's different from your taste. Yeah. Uh, Are you, do you offer solutions in your book? Like, um, you know, and do you feel like, I think some people are like, well, Colbert, remember that line of th- thought where it was Colbert is to blame because they, you know, he was ironically taken, his irony was taken seriously. You know, I'm like, yeah. Stuart is to blame because everyone didn't take MAGA seriously enough yeah. and all this bullshit. But I guess my question to you is, yeah, do you, where, where, what's the way out of it? Because in a way, I feel like you guys are arguing to actually take some of this so-called comedy seriously. Yeah, I think... Um, we're, I'm guessing we're likely of a, a similar generation where we watched yeah, Colbert and, and Stewart on the, on the Daily Show, and our political sensibility was shaped by that. I think those of us kind of old millennials who look back on that now think that, ooh, that's, that's not politics, right? Just like laughing at the sort of Fox News and now MAGA universe isn't enough. We need sort of material action. We need labor unions. We need all the things that actually mm-hmm. make a difference in mm-hmm. people's lives. But the thing we're sounding an alarm bell about is that we on the left don't own this cultural form. We like to paint the right as kind of humorless, cultureless assholes. And there's a lot to that. I mean, that, that's been borne out again and again. But they're making inroads in this one sort of cultural territory. They're taking seriously that, that Breitbart dictum that politics is downstream from culture, right? That mm-hmm. you can gain political territory by winning over online young men and turning them on at Gamergate, right? So we're kind of trying to sound the same alarm bell that uh, especially young men attracted to this cultural form are being recruited to right-wing causes. They're being introduced to libertarian and and further right, uh, right-wing thinkers, and to take that seriously. Yeah. I don't have a, a toolkit to combat that. I'm just trying to convince people that it's an issue in the, in the first place. Yeah. And I do think like, you know, what I, what I, my point earlier about, you know, sort of seeding the ironic territory, seeding the edgy territory. Uh, and I think the point you made to the right is a problem for progressives and people on the left and liberals generally, like we all need to take ourselves a lot less seriously. And that's, what I hope this show does. And that's generally what I like to put out into the ether. Someone's like, don't make fun of, you know, um, people in the MAGA crowd for having bad teeth. 
I'm sorry. I'm going to make fun of them for having bad teeth. Don't don't body shame Donald Trump. Fuck you. I'm body shaming Donald <laughs> fat ass fucking Trump, yo. Like I'm not I'm sorry. It's just I don't your rules don't apply <laughs> to these awful fascists. So so like there there's that. But I also think the right loves to be martyred and especially some of these like like if it's podcasters, if it's like Rogan, like if it's Baked Alaska, who's, you know, I guess he's a comedian. Um, but his origin story is he worked at BuzzFeed and then someone told him to not use the phrase uh, spirit animal because it was offensive to yeah. Native Americans. And he was like, uh, nine, you know, he just like became a Nazi. It's amazing. So which is like, that's not on that person who said that to him. That's on him looking for any way to be like the woke, you know, fascists are coming for me. Yeah, it, it's a, a the case of Baked Alaska and a few other folks that we talk about in the book. I think the, the word grift gets tossed around a lot and it can be inaccurate, but I think applies here where a lot of these um, Internet personalities, aspiring comedians see a relatively crowded space in mainstream or left liberal comedy. And they see an economic lane occupied by saying, oh, they're trying to cancel me. I'll, I'll try to work my way up by meeting Andrew Schultz or trying to get on Legion of Skanks or doing the rooms that those guys do. So some of this stuff, I, I have a hard time believing these folks actually believe. It's it's more a cynical sort of economic ploy to, to get clicks and downloads and, yeah. and get the butcher box to sponsor your podcast. Yeah, you just had this week Whitney Cummings, you know, tweeting out a, a bit of hers that was like a I didn't I wasn't offended by the bit. It was about R. Kelly. She tar- starts to twerk during it. And then she writes, if this doesn't get me canceled, I don't know what will. Yeah. And it's like such a such a cringy angle that not only the joke, leave the joke alone. It's fine. I'm again, whatever. But it's like her marketing it as like, mm, well, I'm going to get canceled for this. Yeah. So. Yeah, there, there's a good bit of, uh, I, I follow another figure we write about in the book is Steven Crowder, and he's very good at sort of writing headlines a certain way, baiting people into debates and getting the algorithm to push him to the top of certain people's feeds and put him alongside more self-serious, you know, right-wing thinkers. But what a what a comedic genius, though. I mean, un, unrivaled. Uh, I mean, the yeah. way he puts on like, wigs and pretends to be a woman and like puts like socks in his in his in a bra (laughs) amazing i I love the way he goes to college campuses and and owns uh unwitting (laughs) college kids into arguing there are infinite genders that that to me is hilarious (laughs) i never mind sorry (laughs) no 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 you know one thing i do i do think bothers me is um two more points i do did you talk at all about jp sears in your book that was, uh, he's uh, mentioned a little bit, yeah. J.P. Sears sort of began kind of making fun of um, wellness culture, and he has a lot of successful videos, and they were funny. And then, I don't guess they were funny. And then as Trump got elected, and then as the pandemic happened, that actually became serious. And so he is a wellness influencer pusher and is an anti-vaxxer and is a Trumper and has a huge YouTube following and is booking, you know, Jessica, like 
four solid nights, sold out nights at Cobb's, you know, <laughs> a straight up anti-vax MAGA who is going to make Cobb's a fuck ton of money. I'm not putting this necessarily. Though. Right. I'm not putting this on them, but it is very frightening, especially this was like in mid pandemic that you've got a bunch of anti-vax MAGA dudes coming through um, and yeah, I, I think there was a little, there was a glitch in the matrix earlier this year when, um, Howard Stern, the original shock jock comic saying shit that it's inappropriate, but also, you know, with enough flair and talent and also an, at a time when, you know, whatever he, we all thought we were post-race and like Nazis wouldn't come back. Maybe when he went after Rogan for being, I believe, an anti-vaxxer, or he was just like, Rogan's a fucking idiot. I think it was Rogan that he went after. That was like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> like, yeah. You know? yeah, I feel like there are a couple of things that turned this movement into to overdrive. I mean, Trump kind of gave a very public face to it. He, he did have the sort of trappings of stand-up comedy. He, he liked to own people, the journalists in the crowd. He would kind of punch down at, you know, the disabled journalists or Mexican migrants. Um, the pandemic, though, really, you know, made people hide behind their webcams and, and microphones for a while. And I feel like try to say increasingly outrageous things to try to enter the, the right sort of uh, algorithm, as, as I yes. was saying before. But that specific issue of vaccines and COVID really provides a, a sort of line in the sand that I feel like if you have this sort of clear, keep that toxin out of my body, I'm just going to take vitamins and do push-ups like Joe Rogan tells me to, it's it's impossible not to align you with sort of right-leaning causes and, and viewpoints of the world versus uh, the more common sense, like let's not all die together by being right. a stubborn bro, right? Right. I guess the last point I want to make, and I wonder if you have, if you guys touch on this, is I think that the right conflates corporate culture and mainstream culture with left culture, right? Um, granted, they're all bad faith. You know, Fox News says that they're being censored. This is the most watched news network in uh, in the country. And they're like, the mainstream media. And you're like, right. you mean you? Um, but I do think that there is, for example... In terms of our discussions around cancel culture and around, oh, people lacking humor and people lacking, you know, policing everyone. A lot of these that's happening on a corporate level. When Disney decides to let go Gina Carano because she's posting weird anti-Semitic memes, that's because Disney is the most fucking wholesome corporate ass. Like, you know, yeah. like it's it's the same thing. where It's the reason like. I don't have a show on MSNBC for a lot of reasons. However, you take one look at some of the stuff that I'm putting out here, the, the, the bits that I'm doing. You know, I remember when I had a special on MSNBC and then I had the, some of the producers came to see me do stand up and I had like a joke about killing Trump, but it was like a cagey. It was my mom saying we should kill him. Um <laughs> They were like, I think you should probably lose that, you know, and I like scrubbed all my Twitter timeline when I was thinking maybe I would get a show. So I feel like there is a conflation of politics and corporate mainstream culture that absolutely requires people to like kind of be milk toast and ineffensive, you know, 
It doesn't have anything to do with politics. Yeah, the um, the the media institutions that we identify with left and liberal comedy, uh, Saturday Night Live, The Daily Show, whatever you think of them in their current state, don't really exist on the the right now. So they've kind of made their uh, inroads in those smaller scale Patreon funded you know podcasts and advertiser delivered channels on on YouTube. Right. So we're not. So to to your point, Francesca, you're right. Like anytime they're they're feigning outrage at cancel culture, it's bullshit. It's just a way for them to to sort of gain clicks, to gain listeners, to enter the right sort of stream of content being delivered to the um, listeners already predisposed to to listen to them. Yeah. I don't know what happens when they reach the level of getting a a Saturday Night Live or a, a Daily Show of their equivalent. Greg Gutfeld is scaling up to that level uh, pretty quickly. But um, in the meantime, those new media channels are totally uncensored. They can say whatever the hell they want to. So any move for them to say like, oh, I'm being deplatformed, or even Rogan and Spotify uh, several oh, months God. ago, the, the worst that happened to him is a little content warning that appears visually, not, not audibly, but there's a little button that says for more on COVID-19 vaccinations, click here or whatever. He hasn't suffered a single consequence of any of the dumb ass shit he's ever said. And he probably won't. To say nothing of the what Spotify is doing to comics, like, you know, right. to uh, comedy albums and basically making it virtually impossible for them to earn any money off of it. Absolutely. Jessica, did you want to jump in? Any any thoughts on, I mean, I, I'm thinking of also like the the sort of, pieces of shit that are also like run in the comedy scene generally, you know, and are like gatekeepers generally. They're not necessarily right wingers, but it, it is interesting to see how sometimes, you know, the like, this is all a joke on my podcast yeah. also translates to, oh yeah, I have a couple, you know, sexual assault allegations. Like right. that's a slippery slope. Um, right. I guess in a way I'm a little bit in a bubble. It, because I kind of feel like all the comedians I know for the most part are like amazing people <laughs> and <laughs> right. keep it that way. So yeah. smart and cool. I mean, I'm like not making a fucking penny ever. So that is an issue, but it is like, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like it's all gotten out of hand. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we've, there's just too many people pumping these dudes up online mm -hmm. and i'm not seeing it and i i know that nick you're saying like people should pay attention but it's like i think i go out of my way to like not have that be a part of my life or like yeah even like talking about them negatively i'm like i don't want like their name in my mouth like mm -hmm. I, i'm just like it's not like art to me and yeah. that, that matters like it's not comedy to me I know that it's like I do understand that like they're doing well in their circles and stuff but I'm like I'm paying attention to comedy <laughs> like that mm -hmm. I like and that is good and I don't know I, I think that's yeah. right on too because you know to in a certain extent you have to really you know listen to these shows watch them before you can say anything and I can't bring myself to stomach the content. I'm like, well, I'm not because it because it isn't for me. It is for like, sorry, white bros. Yeah. Like, mostly cis straight white bros. And I'm so like, it's and it's kind of also on that audience if they see something they don't like, but they like that person, which I grant you that happens. And I'm, I don't think we need to throw 
you know, condemn all people, but like, it's on y'all to like, make your, you know, whatever, call them out or call them in as you will. Yeah. Cause I, um, Jessica, she's mentally fragile. Okay. <laughs> like there, there is like, I do have to protect like what I fucking hear. I'm not going to listen to some guys talk about whatever they say about women and like whatever they say about whatever group that they think is so edgy to talk shit about. I'm just like, this feels like not my problem. And it's like, yeah. It maybe yeah. maybe if there were a couple of them in my circle that I could influence in some way and be like, there's so much you can do with joke writing. I'll rock your world right now. Um, maybe that would yeah. be like a positive influence, but I'm not going to go like do a deep dive. But like, I guess I'm like, I hope that like maybe a couple of them come into my motherly, my motherly <laughs> inner and I can nurse them. I'll nurse them on my teeth. That's so, so my my version of that is I'm a college professor, and overwhelmingly, when I, I talk to students, especially the young male students, I ask them their favorite podcast. It's Rogan, Rogan, Rogan. And I very I'm very agnostic about what my students tell me they they like and listen to, but I'll use that to kind of say like, well, you know, look at who he's hanging out with, and do you what do you think of this? And I'll try to introduce them to some other stuff. I never try to prescribe. I'm, I'm not asking anybody to like uh, Rogan or Gutfeld or McInnes or any of these, but I am asking uh, people to, to take them seriously, to acknowledge yeah. that they have a listenership, that they're profitable and that they can be uh, politically persuasive. Yeah. Just thinking about the, the sort of humor and irony that tinges something like the Proud Boys, right? Their stupid fucking beat-in ritual where they have to name five breakfast cereals before they get uh, beaten up or whatever, the the comedic element is is present. Mm. We might not find it yeah. funny, but it is an element of their sort of playful demeanor. And calling it something else, I think, does a disservice to the the power that it can sure, have. Sure, sure. And yeah. I, I do know it is fun to say stuff you're not supposed to say. And I get that they're having fun, and I get like how excited and like juice up they can get from each other. It's just like Joe Rogan, especially reminds me of so many of the men in my family where it's like, there's this disease where we feel so smart, like especially the guys in my family. And I think they probably are like in a way kind of smart. Like, you know, when you get high and then you like say, say something that you feels like mind blowing and you're like, Whoa, I just thought that, you know, like I'm, (laughs) I'm amazing. And it's like, so many of the dudes in my family and they're like just so uneducated and they just get they get so juiced up on their own thoughts and you can't tell them anything and they're like wasted all the time and they're just like listen like I get it okay (laughs) and I and you can't even there's nothing you can say and like Rogan definitely is in the market in the business of making dumb guys think they get it um Which is, which again is also attractive to be like, hey, you don't have to be a genius, but you can still get it, you know? And like, I, again, I kind of feel like the progressives do need to do a better job. I hope this show makes, I mean, fuck, man, we all know. I ain't the smartest, bright, I'm not the brightest bulb in a box here, I'm but sure you, you guys are here that. still listening. Um, I think the, <laughs> what'd you say? I said me neither. I'm pretty low, <laughs> low functioning. I'm like, uh, I'm like a, my computer's like on safety mode, you know, like it's very minimal. <laughs> it's very minimal. Um, we, um, 
Nick, is is there something we um, forgot to talk about that you want to mention? Um, just to uh, maybe take a minute to, to talk to that uh, family member, that, that young man that you run across who's a huge Rogan fan, and sort of ask them what they like about that stuff before maybe dismissing them out of hand. I don't want to ask you to sort of like empathize and say they're, they're right about anything, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm an academic and I, I study things that are new and unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. I think too often with comedy, we have a tendency to just stay in our lane and, and stick to what we like and what we know. And the fact that this whole emerging world of right-wing comedy is out there unbeknownst to, to many on the left, even if you don't like it, I think you could learn something uh, about what the other side thinks and how they operate culturally just by talking to somebody who enjoys it or, or listening to five minutes of it yeah. and then never, never listening to it again. No, I, I think that's real. I mean, I, I would rather that than be forced. To, I watch enough Fox News just given like, yeah. the amount of clips. Bless you. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that that's that is real being like, rather than dismissing it as unfunny or not for you, just kind of understanding, you know, it's influence. Yeah. And I I'm reminded of Kamau Bell when he was like, come get your boy white people. And he yeah. meant that for Trump. And I do think it's, it's a little bit the way I feel like every, like if you have a Karen in your life, um, you have a responsibility to kind of like get get your like yeah wine drunk aunt to you know stop yelling at people to speak English, that kind of thing. It's like yeah you have try to sort of make inroads into your Rogan person and like direct them yeah. elsewhere. And it it is does again make this case for there to be more people on the left trying to take themselves a little bit less seriously. Yeah. If we believe in defunding the police, which I do. We have to defund the police in our heads. And I yes. <laughs> absolutely think saying it's very that. well put. Oh my God, yeah. everyone's such a narc. Yes, Jesus. stop being a fucking narc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can still laugh. And yeah, and like I would even for someone like Bill Burr, who like I don't you probably talk about, but mm-hmm. I like Bill Burr to me rides a line and I like that line. I think mm-hmm. it's an okay line. I think it's a good line. He's able to talk about, you know for lack of a better term, cancel culture without going into the sort of same tropes over and over again. But just, I mean, Celie, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I just think all those guys, um, and I love Bill Burr. I think he's so funny, but he does go into like, I'm going to get canceled for this. Like, yes. And it's like, who, who cares? Like, why yeah like Gervais and Chappelle just like always acting like such martyrs in the face of cancel culture and all this stuff and it's just like uh we're getting so boring like I'm not having fun you guys are literal millionaires you're millionaires but like I I had a question for Nick and and Mm -hmm. and both of you actually because you're talking about like oh kind of looping that person in but I'm just like I could what like what influence can I have for someone that's being so pumped up by Rogan? Like I can't compete with that testosterone and that high that you get from the brohood, like, and the saying the thing you're not supposed to say, like, it's like they're eating ding dongs and Twinkies and I'm over here. Like I have some kale. I'll put, <laughs> yeah, some, salt. Yeah. I'll put some salt on it for you. 
but but the other thing is your ding dongs aren't the same as my 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 ding dongs aren't Rogan. You know what I mean? My ding dongs are like watching F Boy Island. <laughs> right. I, I in, introduce them to the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder or something. I I, I don't know the, the there are are versions <laughs> of like white bro humor that I think don't have to veer into like hey, what's the deal of pronouns, man? Why do we have to have so many of them now? I, I think there are plenty of good faith, uh, playful, boundary-pushing forms uh, of comedy on the left that a Rogan fan would be interested in that we don't have to sort of dismiss them out of hand as just like uh, clean room Jordan Peterson uh, types. Uh, because if we do, if we continue to sort of uh, dismiss out of hand folks who are fans of this right-wing culture, that replenishes the conservative and Republican voting base ranks, right? As they age out, as the Fox News audience dies off, these Rogan fans turn into the uh, Republican voters of tomorrow. So I am a believer in sort of intervening where we can and guiding them away from that sort of right-wing culture. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, please get this book. Um, That's not funny. How the Right Makes Comedy Work for Them. At least the least you can do is read this book. You don't have to watch or read or listen to Rogan, but yeah. read the book and understand this pipeline. Uh, and then we can sort of better understand how to like how many, I don't know, write better jokes. We're already doing that. But yeah. anywho. Um, Nick, thank you so much. Nick Barks, everybody. Um, where can do you want people to follow you? That'd be great. I am uh, Marks Nick on Twitter. You can pick up uh, the book from UC Press or from the Big Bad online places or your independent bookstore. Thank you so much for having me on, Francesca. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Jessica, we've got one more segment. It's going to be fun. I promise. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories of the week. Um, have you heard of Hamilton, the musical? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Eliza. Yes, exactly. That's the one. <laughs> um so apparently in McAllen, Texas, uh, a church is doing an unlicensed production of Hamilton. Now, if you know anything about Broadway, it's that you can't just do Broadway shows whenever the hell you want. <laughs> like, like, I don't know any, I don't know much about Broadway, but I feel like I know that. Like, like, I feel like it's like 50 years before you could do like Cats. And I don't even know if you can do Cats. Maybe you can do cats. I know you but can you gotta do write Joseph. A- you can do the amazing Technicolor. The you can do Joseph. I don't know about cats. I I also feel like we don't need to see like a high schoolers putting on the cat outfits. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone needs to do cats. But- well, so this church not only started doing Hamilton, but they also gave it like a Christian nationalist flair. They added Jesus, like, you know, subliminal messages of Jesus all around. Um, So here is just a little clip of how they altered a song, um, one of the last songs of the show, and uh, added a little Jesus, J-Man, in there. Eliza. <laughs> there she is. No, I thought they were going to do a better job of inserting stuff. They were just like, I told them about Jesus today and they loved it. 
I introduced <laughs> hundreds of children to, it's supposed to be like to you, to your work, the right. federalism, to Jesus. No, was that not? No, it's, yeah. It, it's it's amazing. And okay, so not only that, but uh, the pastor uh, gets up at the end of this um, production and um, listen closely because he likens struggling with addiction to struggling with being gay. Oh, God, the hard sell on God. I feel like God's knocking at my door like, hello, I've been knocking. Can I come in? <laughs> oh, my God, it's freezing out here. Like, <laughs> That's what his God is doing. <laughs> uh, if God, if gay God is knocking at your door in the form of uh, musicals. I mean, it's amazing to me to try to make musicals heterosexual uh, because I think singing singing sentences is a little gay um always and it's wonderful i mean i don't if andrew lloyd weber were straight we the world would be a worse place and that is like that's just facts so um <laughs> like so no we're no homo <laughs> no homo add that after everything <laughs> it's like a gregorian chant i don't know yeah you're so right like the the impulse to want to make a musical like homophobic is just like what homophobia is it's just like homophobia is so gay it's just like and i know because my grandpa rest may he rest in peace i feel he was closeted and he was one of the most homophobic people because he would, he's one of those people who'd be like, just thinking about how they, what they do, it makes me sick. Like thinking about how they have their little shorts on and I see them in their shorts and their muscles are protruding from their little shorts. Incredible and you can see back. And I, it's like how they touch each other's butts. It just makes me sick. And it's just like, keep going <laughs> it's like what else have you thought about uh, grandpa this is really disturbing i need to hear more um and then also my grandpa he's like my favorite hobby in the 70s was roller disco and it's just like what okay and he's okay. like i just miss the navy like i missed like when we were all together in our little bunks like nothing is nothing is as straight as they want it to be and they're just trying so hard they're trying to make musicals straight it's so sad it's true the, the there is nothing gayer than homophobia is is absolutely true um and so given that you know they tried to do this to say nothing of the fact that they did not have permission from the writers or the producers of hamilton to even do this we want to imagine Okay, what if they what's their next production? How can we <laughs> what's what's next up on the docket? What else are they going to plagiarize? This is Ungay My Musical. 
Ooh, that was fast. Um, okay, I'll start. This is how to make musicals kind of like, by the way, this is in the world where the Tonys is just the tones. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> welcome to the annual tones. You a tenor, bro? Are you a tenor? Hey, yo, you tenor, you soprano, no homo. All right. <laughs> I love the sopranos. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so instead of the fan of the opera, it is the holy ghost of the opera um, where, you know, he just wants to impregnate her, you know, through the his, you know, ghost seed, his phantom seed. Kind of hot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> No. Do you think the I mean obviously the virgin Mary had a big old orgasm when it happened. But um the next Ooh. is rent but instead of rent just call it mortgage and it's sung by landlords and it's like 525,600 dollars. <laughs> How do you measure my property value? Um that's less like ungay and just sort of like what if what if rent sucked? <laughs> um, Greece, R.I.P. Olivia Newton John. Greece, right. but Sandy's transformation is to become a nun, and then she sings, "You're the one that I want to Jesus Christ on the cross," and dances with him on the little, the, the, what is it like the, the 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 game the grounds fair thing? I just think it'd be really funny if she danced with Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, on that little earthquake simulator. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> that would be good. Um, um, I'm just thinking about like your phantom one. And <laughs> I think that's my favorite so far. Not because I think it's hot, but I'm just like imagining all this church doing it and all the words just being really bad. Like, like I wish I had, <laughs> is that your like, phantom mask <laughs> yeah this is, my, this is my phantom mask and it's like turn your thoughts away from the gayish light of gay <laughs> <laughs> i mean phantom is absolutely a closet closeted like in this scenario he's like i don't want to have sex with you i just want you to sing these notes <laughs> <laughs> interesting, something interesting about when a fan of the opera non sequitur one of the few popular non-heroes journey tales of our time which i think is interesting <clears throat> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> Sorry, I'm so <laughs> the most interesting non-heroes journey of our time. Next week on <laughs> At the end of the day, you're another day gayer. And that's all you can say for the life of the libs. Pay your landlords. I ran out. I ran out. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, you're another day gayer is amazing. <laughs> I'm a big play just... Miz girl. I'm a big Les Mis girl too, dude. And I just feel like Les Mis is also just like everyone. I just think it would just be the same. And, and everyone's just like how talking about how good poverty is and how God wants them to be poor and stuff. <laughs> and like um, the bear is the hero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, there's a lot of homosexual tension between Javert and Jean Valjean. <laughs> 
Jean, he can't be named Jean Valjean. He's like, I'm sure. just obsessed with cuffing you, Jean Valjean. <laughs> Get in my cuffs. I'm going to lock you up. You're bad. Um, <laughs> Stole some there, bread. I'll give there you my There is jacket. a clitoris on a cloud. I'd like to eat it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on my own, grabbing my Hitachi. But then I think no. I think of the Lord and I put it back down. No homo. <laughs> and yet the fall of come can hardly hurt me now. Your come is all over my face. I will have your first. Your forced birth. <laughs> okay, I'm. We're done here, you guys. We're talking about very serious things in the bonus episode because I'm making Jessica stay on for ten minutes to talk about Alex Jones. You don't want to miss it. Bitchnationroom.com. You want more of this? Probably oh, we not. do. But for now, for the people who are not patrons, Jessica, where can people find you and your work? Um, if you like, find me on like the social medias. Yeah, you got the JC Lee on Twitter on. On uh, Instagram, it's at Jessica Seely. I just like doing live stand-up mostly, so try to come see that. It's better than oh, yeah. any of those names that I've already blocked out that um, the professor <laughs> mentioned earlier. Uh, right? I, I swear I'm better. Like, I don't mean to she, discredit them, but like, no, if you like Joe Rogan, give me a go. I wrote all yeah. kinds of punchlines up in this bitch. Hey, give me a go, why don't you? <laughs> um give jessica a go all right jessica we'll see you in the bonus thank you so much for being here and thanks to everyone for all of your comments for being here on our first tuesday very long show good show um a few people uh hef's going wait it's tuesday oops emmy love thanks for doing your first tuesday show on my birthday clearly a wonderful present happy birthday Stefan, it's Tuesday evening here in Sweden. Uh, 10 o'clock is a great to me. Oh, it must be very late. Um, Reiki Dragon, thanks for your super chat. Congrats on your first Tuesday show, Franny. Thank you. And Joel, um, Joel, Eliza, Eliza Lekio Johnson. Thank you so much for your, um, for your super chat. Love you much, Francesca. We'll be with you all the way. That means so much dragon slayer slayer dragon pay to the order order of anthropomorphized morphized nesting doll antifa generale with all the stars i think i don't understand that comment but i love it and i like your super chat scott richards contributing to the laxative fund thank you so much scott uh really appreciate it you know those magnesium chewables by the way uh not cheap um, people getting mad at me for not remembering that uh, ne- Nimoy was Spock. Sorry, Leonard Nimoy. Um, Tim Robinson, though, this is a reference to recently on the damage report. I was like, I think Trump might be indicted or at least maybe raided. Tim says, congrats to Francesca for calling it previously before it happened that Trump would be raided. <laughs> Surrender to the flow. Jessica, as unfamiliar to you prior to this episode, you found a fan for life. Your girls have me laughing on a day I want to dig in a hole and crawl into it. Thank you both. Love you, Fran. Hell yeah. Jessica is the best. Um, 
and people just camperman 5000 i'm down for a good dark humor tasteless joke but there has to be a bit of wit i'm with you man i'm i'm definitely with you martin on youtube rogan is the least funny and talented member of news radio cast he's simply a tool tim k on youtube andrew dice clay was one of these turds agreed it's like was it an act was it not it wasn't even funny as an act um mike boy raps every time someone doesn't laugh i'm being censored and canceled i mean effectively that's what they're saying um john mclaughlin comedians who get deep like george carlin need to come back agreed um Everyone loves George Carlin, and then they get up on stage and have, like, half an hour about, like, their dicks. <laughs> it's like, just the reality. Oh, Carlin was the best. Anyway, have you ever noticed how balls are the shape of an octopus head? Which they are. And anyway, um, and with all that, I wanted to thank I – have a, I have someone to thank, but I, I'm going to get them here – with thank everybody – for being patrons at 10 bucks or more, for donating, tipping the show, and just for being amazing. The Fart Song. Oh, yeah. Fart Song lives on. Fart Song lives on. Thank you so much to the new patrons at 10 bucks or more. To James. We love you. James, welcome to the Frantifa. And for all the $5 patrons, you're wonderful. If you want to get a shout out, up that pledge, baby. Thank you to the big tippers, Jeffrey Vincent on uh, Venmo. That's really, really sweet of you. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. To the Twitch subs, Hunger Games 1989, Willie Gus, Chris Huggy, Dem Ibra, Depressed Progressive, Vowel Movement, and Seth Foley uh, subscribing or resubscribing. Thank you to everyone who works on this show. Paige O'Mac, Maximilian Inhoff, Alexandra Orness. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on Twitter at VituationPod, at FrannyFio on, on Instagram and on TikTok. And uh, once again, I do a show on t- uh, Wednesdays called The Twitchuation Room. It's a little sister show. If you guys want to holler at that, it's at TYT. Uh, TYT's Twitch channel and I'll see you in the bonus and remember y'all fight the power fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it be about it bye